Hail and well met, Traveler. Welcome to Threat Dice, a podcast about tabletop role-playing games, storytelling, and the vagaries of the dice. I'm your host, Kylan Wigan. I am one-third of the team at TumbleDye Games, a young company developing a new hybrid storytelling RPG called Trove. We believe in the power of story, and the goal of Trove is to empower both players and game masters to level up the action, drama, and believability in their tabletop games. You can find out more at www.tumbledie.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at TumbleDie, or Instagram. Join us on Saturday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on Twitch for the continued adventures of the Dawn Chasers, the only live trove playtesting around. Want to see how a system designed from the ground up to simulate the arc of a story works in real time? Come check us out. Our channel is twitch.tv slash games. Today, I want to talk about what kind of stories can be told with our tabletop games. Before we get started, let me say that I sincerely hope that in 2, 5, or 10 years, hopefully not 10, some of the discussion in this episode of this podcast will feel completely dated. So far in Threat Dice's young life, I've tried to focus on more universally applicable topics, but I think there are going to be times when covering something happening in real time is also important. I hope that as a hobby and as a culture, we finally meet straight on, tackle, and resolve a lot of the stuff that's bubbling to the surface right now. I want to see us move away from the archaic notions of race in fantasy games and literature that's stuck in a rather unpleasant mid-20th century worldview. There's been some shifts over the past couple of decades, bringing down the old walls around the hobby that once favored unpleasant men huddled in the back rooms of comic shops and allowing more people to experience what is, for me, something literally life-changing. I want those walls torn down, and I want everyone to feel that they are welcome and valued when participating in this incredible shared experience. There's so much for all of us to learn from each other by telling stories together the way humanity has for millennia. Anyway, let's go ahead and start talking about today's topic. As you may be able to tell, lately I've been thinking a lot about tabletop RPG systems. A good part of that is because I'm actively writing and playtesting one, with my partners and playtesters here at TumbleDye, but that's not the only reason. There's a lot of discussion going on in the tabletop RPG space about Dungeons & Dragons, particularly when it comes to some older ideas that have persisted in the game across the 40-plus years of its existence. Recently, Wizards of the Coast representatives have actually put out statements about how they're working on changing the game and updating it for the 21st century. I'm really glad that these issues are finally being brought to light and seriously examined by the community at large, but the truth is that a lot of these ideas have been around for a very long time, championed by people who just haven't been listened to. There's a moment happening right now, thanks to thousands of brave souls on the streets in America and around the world, demanding to be heard and raising the clarion call for change. One of the major changes happening to D&D right now is that any race described as humanoid in the game materials will no longer have a prescribed alignment 
This also means that the relatively interesting idea, in my opinion, that they had for gnolls in 5th edition has caused them to shift to be fiends, which I find fascinating. For the long-term D&D people, that's a pretty big change, and there's an uproar from the, let's say, less enlightened side of the gaming sphere, talking about how conflict is impossible without, quote, evil races, like orcs, for example, to slaughter indiscriminately. And so I immediately wanted to ask them, what the fuck game are you even playing? And that very thought has made me think even harder. And the truth of the matter is, I guess I haven't really been playing D&D as written for a long time. I absolutely, unequivocally think it's wrong for humanoid intelligent creatures to be classified as anything by default. And that's why I haven't actually played that way in a long time. I just changed or ignored the rules, basically as often as possible. You've heard a lot of my personal story on this podcast already, so I won't go too much into depth on it again. Safe to say, though, that I've been homebrewing my own worlds and rules for nigh on 20 years now. I was taught by my very first DM that the rules were mutable, that we shouldn't necessarily follow 100% of what it says in the book, because the rules as written aren't always fun. One of the earliest games I remember playing was a D&D fairy tale reinterpretation. We had to help the three little orcs and save them from the big bad werewolf. No mindless evil bloodlust orcs there. The reason I made my first real attempt at RPG system design with that same DM when I was a teenager was because D&D sometimes just couldn't give me what I wanted. The problem remains, even though my personal experience taught me that it's okay to bend and break the rules and change whatever you need to, they're still presented as rules. It doesn't matter how many times the books include the line, these rules are just guidelines. When you abstract anything out to statistical levels, personal interpretations and modifications get smoothed out by the trend lines. What is presented in the books is the game, and when the game, by its very nature, contains outdated, and yes, racist, ideas and language, that is part of the fabric of the game. It will be represented that way to thousands of people across thousands of game tables, because not everyone has the confidence or the latitude within their group to just disregard the rules when they want to. Breaking out of the box is hard. We live in an era when there are thousands of role-playing games on the market, free and for sale, created by all kinds of people, to try and capture all different parts of the RPG experience. And yet, our discourse is all still centered around D&D. It's the common tongue of the RPG world. It's a venerable name, practically a household one since the 1980s. It's ubiquitous. You can find it on shelves at places like Barnes & Noble, not just dusty RPG shelves at comics and gaming shops. And now, thanks to Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast, for better or for worse, it has a massive multi-million dollar marketing juggernaut behind it, making sure that we all know that D&D is the premier experience for role-playing. Because of those things, and others, D&D is often the first RPG that people are exposed to, and so it's the one they play. 
Why would they need anything else? Over time, I've come to see tabletop RPG players on a sort of spectrum. On one end, we have the dungeon crawler. They want to show up, roll some dice, kill some things, laugh with friends, and then stop thinking about it. It's a certain kind of power fantasy, and there's not anything wrong with that. The other end of the spectrum is what I call the storyteller. Whether a player or a GM, though they are probably suited to be a GM, whether they've done it yet or not, the storyteller loves getting into character. They love exploring the alternate reality presented by the game, existing within its boundaries and pushing, gently, on them, and wanting to contribute to a sort of shared experience that's really as old as humanity itself, communal storytelling. Oral storytelling is a very old human experience, predating the written word, and there's something intensely primal about being part of that, if you're predisposed to it anyway. As you might have guessed, I discovered early that I am a storyteller, which is probably why I'm the one that became the primary GM for my small group of friends in my youth. So, at its core, D&D is a combat simulator. It has a long and storied history, its humble beginnings as an adaptation from tabletop wargaming. The creators of D&D like to move model armies around and pit them against each other, with dice arbitrating the action. When they wanted things to get more personal, they developed a way to do that, which eventually grew into Dungeons and Dragons. This is, of course, a massively oversimplified version of the history, but the core of the matter is that the main thrust of the rules in every D&D edition, from the original Dungeons and Dragons to the fifth edition of the game that so many of us are familiar with today, it is about ways to do violence upon things. 5th edition has taken to emphasizing exploration and social interaction a bit more, but those sections of the rules are broad strokes in just about every way. The game is focused on killing things for fun and profit. Regardless of my personal feelings about D&D 5th edition, it is limited in that way. It's designed to provide a certain kind of experience, a magically infused power fantasy where violence is the most common and most effective way to solve a problem. By default, D&D isn't about survival. Characters quickly become too powerful for that, and low-level magic spells remove any possibility of running out of food or water in a survival situation. It's not about politics. There are basically no rules for that. Your characters are focused around their class abilities, almost all of them ways to do violence. Their gear, the most important of which are magical weapons and armor, and spells, in 5th edition, even more focused on damage dealing than previous editions. This isn't wrong in any sense of the term, it just is. If that's the experience you're looking for, D&D provides it, right out of the box. And no, I'm not going to discuss all of the optional rules in the 5th edition Dungeon Master's Guide. Yes, there are a lot of them. Yes, there are ways to change the experience, and bend it toward a certain theme or playstyle. The fact is, that book is so dense and dry that most people don't know those options exist, and personally speaking, the 5th edition Dungeon Master's Guide is probably my personal favorite out of all the published Dungeon Master's Guides so far. So, what if you want to do something else? 
What if you still want to tell a story, together with your friends, but it isn't one about killing things in fantasy worlds and taking their stuff? Again, you could do it with D&D. You could create your own setting, tweak the rules to your liking, customize large parts of it, as so many do, see the many amazing and creative supplements using the 5e rules to do other things, write new classes, and so on. As much of it as you like can be customized, if you've got the time and the wherewithal to make it happen. At its core, though, up to a certain point, the rules of D&D 5th edition are always going to be a combat and adventure simulation. If you tweak them to the point that they aren't anymore, I would argue that you are walking the threshold of creating a new game, even if it is atop an existing framework. Conflict comes in many forms, and violence is not always the best way to solve those conflicts. I admit, even for myself, there's certainly something cathartic in the simple and direct solution to a problem. But D&D doesn't just represent violence in its rules. By virtue of the fact that the core rules are all focused around it, D&D is just a funnel from one violent conflict to the next. The exploration pillar is all about finding new things to hunt and destroy. The social interaction is at best a distraction, a way to pace the game between episodes of violence. The game shines its best when the players are working together to overcome incredible odds through force of blade and spell, and so that's what the sessions are going to gravitate towards. I'm aware that some players even feel like they've been robbed if there's not a combat encounter in every session of D&D. I realize that I'm talking a lot about D&D here. Like I said, it's basically the common tongue of the tabletop RPG world. It's an easy shorthand, because so many people understand it. I truly believe that the mechanics of a game emphasize what that game is supposed to be about. D&D's rules heavily emphasize combat, and so that's what the game will bend towards as a hobby regardless of what genius ideas an individual GM or table have come up with. Also, the difference here is not just about the mechanical focus on violence. There's a lot of things that contribute to a very specific feeling that the mechanics of D&D all feed into. From the chosen attributes, to racial bonuses and penalties, to the core set of classes that shape and bend the lens through which players see the world, to the way hit points are sort of nebulous. Why do we start with so few? and so quickly gain so many. What do they actually represent, anyway? In the end, what ends up coming out of the holistic vision of D&D is one of starting out relatively weak and ineffectual, and rapidly ramping up power to become legendary heroes, the likes of which the pre-existing worlds have probably seen a thousand times before. Especially when you're playing D&D in the Forgotten Realms, you're not really becoming legendary heroes when you hit level 20. Even then, you're barely on Elminster's radar but you sure can stomp all over those goblins who called you names back when you were a level 1 weakling. The arc of D&D is as important as anything else. It's really difficult to get a different feeling out of that rule set. The whole concept is based around leveling up and getting new stuff and new fancy abilities and more ways to make sure things die and stay dead and that your character gets stronger and better at killing things as the game progresses. Okay, so the question I really want to get at today is this. What do we do if we want something different from our tabletop RPG, if only for a little while? We'll talk about that, and more, right after the break.
Hey folks, Kevin here to give a shout out to a friend of the dice. If you've ever wondered what goes into creating a set of custom handmade dice, then we'd like to invite you to visit our friend Andrew Morgan at The Humble Dragon. There you can find a unique collection of gorgeous one-of-a-kind dice boxes and beautiful handcrafted sets of dice. Also, if you need a set of specialty dice for your own game or house rules, then you should definitely reach out to Andrew as we did to have your own custom-faced dice designed and made a reality. Please visit The Humble Dragon on Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash The Humble Dragon. So, if we want to do something other than murder our way across a fantasy world, all the while, of course, feeling very pleased and justified with ourselves, to gain power and loot, and eventually Elminster Senpai's attention, what's the best way to do that? So as I mentioned, you definitely could modify D&D to suit your purposes. Depending on just how different you want your game to be, the modifications may involve a few tweaks, or it may involve a massive overhaul. Truth is, even if you do the work for a total conversion, you're probably going to end up stuck. If you want to get away from seeing violence as a skeleton key for solving problems, you need a fundamental difference in the core mechanics of the game. One that shifts the emphasis and the rewards away from hitting things with sharp sticks until they fall down. There's hundreds or even thousands of other games out there. It's pretty daunting, really. Even if we wanted to explore something else, where do you even start with something like that? Do you find a very cool, niche game that explores a specific concept? Or do you find another, more universal game system that could let you do just about anything you set your mind to? A good place to start is to decide what difference exactly you want to explore. If you don't want to stray too far from the formula, but the power creep of D&D, especially in the area of magic, detracts from the feeling you want from the game, go take a look at low fantasy games like Zweihänder or Ironsworn, a Powered by the Apocalypse conversion, or Torchbearer, a Burning Wheel game. The basic formula is still the same, but because of the changes in the mechanics of the game, the emphasis is different. Torchbearer is a hardcore survival simulator set in a world that will seem familiar to D&D players, but there's basically no power creep. Ironsworn takes the more narrative and story-focused vision of the PBTA games and makes it dark and gritty, Game of Thrones style. Zweihänder has its own core game mechanic, but the whole game is designed to replicate the feelings of worlds like those created by George Martin, Joe Abercrombie, and the like. Want to get out of the dungeon and into high society? Check out a game like Rain and Kiridon where the game's mechanics are actually focused around providing resolution to political intrigue and encounters. What if you'd prefer to get out of the peasants-to-gods quasi-survivalist-but-not-really arc and into something that feels more like an action movie, where the focus is less on simulating and conquering fantasy reality, and instead doing cool things and feeling like a badass? Check out the hero system, or the RPG known as Wushu. How about something more universal that has a focus on storytelling, instead of reserving rules primarily for how to resolve action-packed scenes? For that, I really must recommend Fate. Andy, Kevin, and I once ran a personal game of Fate in the Android Netrunner universe, and that was a fantastically good time. Or checking out one of the many interpretations of the Apocalypse World PBTA rule system. Lighter on rules, a better focus on story, 
and there are many ways to interpret those rules to get what you want out of the game. Explore. Run wild. Find new experiences that don't trap you into a certain way of thinking, just because the mechanics have been that way for 40 years. Find the right game for the right story. There's something else here that I think prevents us from being willing to branch out into new things. I'm not sure about you all out there, but for me, ever since I was little and first getting into tabletop RPGs, my dream has been a sprawling, open-ended campaign that runs until the day I die. For many years, I started every new game that way, hoping that this would be the one, the perfect game, that would last forever and make all my dreams come true. For the record, I got that feeling exactly once in my life as a DM. And you know what? We played for a long time. And yet I still felt a compulsion to bring the story to a satisfying conclusion. Even though I finally got what I always wanted, my mind and my heart hungered for an ending. A dramatic resolution for the characters and players I'd come to care for so much. And so that story ended, and I never found it again. What I've realized, at least for myself, as a storyteller, is that not every game has to be a lifetime commitment. In fact, maybe most of them shouldn't be. Maybe all of them shouldn't be. Why not try something new with an idea that has a rough beginning, middle, and end already set out from the start? It's a cooperative endeavor, so it's not like you could possibly have it all planned out in advance. But why does every game need to be such a huge commitment? For me, at least, I'm beginning to realize that it might be more satisfying if a game with its story and characters is designed to run between 20 and 50 sessions maximum. That means if I'm lucky enough to play the game once a week, it might take anywhere from three months to a year to get through. In that time, with enough drama and action packed into the sessions, I could experience a full story with the characters and bring them to a satisfying conclusion for everyone. If I do that, I might even have the time to try out a new game or two here or there. Run a game for three sessions or five branch out of my expectations, break out of the 30-year rut that D&D has put my mind in, experience new kinds of stories and new kinds of thrills. I don't want to think of my campaigns as a lifetime commitment anymore. I'd rather have everybody committed to showing up for a shorter time to be able to experience an arc, a real story together, and then bring it to an end. And then, hey, if we all keep playing together... There's always the sequel. Thanks so much for joining me today. Before we go, one quick thing. If you're enjoying Threat Dice, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, or tweet us at TumbleDie. I'll read any reviews into the announcements on the next session. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may the road ever rise to meet you. Threat Dice is a production of Tumble Die Games, LLC. Our intro music is What Lies Beyond, the interludes are Clockwork, and the outro music is Storm, all by Vinsvept. Check out his amazing work at youtube.com slash Vinsvept, V-I-N-D-S-V-E-P-T. Additional music by Andre Sitkov and Andy Ray. This episode was produced and recorded by me, Kylan Wigan. That's what literature is. It's the people who went before us, tapping out messages from the past, from beyond the grave, trying to tell us about life and death, 
listen to them. You can find Threat Dice on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.